0: The Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Wire World Pro Audio. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike.
1: Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez. And before we get going, let me introduce the
2: guys.
1: Starting with Mr. Nick Peck. Nick.
2: Hello, Mike. Hello, gentlemen. God, it has been too long. It is so nice to see all these faces
3: again.
1: (laughs) It has been too long. Then we've got Mr. Brandon Birdseye. Brandon.
3: Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. Good to see everyone.
1: And then we have Mr. Scott Gershon. Scott.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ow. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And finally, we've got the one and only this is show 220, the Iron Man of the Audio Nowcast, Mr. Rob Arbiter. What
0: is up, Mike? Hello, everybody.
1: Hey, first of all, I just want to say I missed you guys, man. I really did. We haven't podcasted in about seven weeks and, uh, and believe me, (laughs) it's been a long seven weeks. Um, we took a little break there and I'll tell you, I just want to be honest with all you guys. It was a really rough January. I mean, it was really, really rough. And, you know, during the whole pandemic, Certain people, you know, you reach your breaking point, you know, some people reached it in September, October, June, July, and January was mine, man. I was, I was really, it was just, I got, had a couple gigs that just vaporized and I was, it was just depressing, you know, it's just depressing, um, when you just don't have like, you're just kind of floating. I mean, you guys, anybody, you guys feel that way? You just, you're like just floating. You're just trying to figure out how to, how to maneuver around this whole thing. And, and that's the way it was with January. Anybody have any problems like that? Anybody, before we get going, haven't, have you reached any of those moments yet? Or are you guys all still strong and I'm just really, really weak?
0: <laughs> I had the good fortune of reaching that point right before the pandemic. Cause the whole years and year and a half to two years before it was bad. Uh, so going into the pandemic was like starting dark and then it getting darker, but it just, I mean, like we've said before, the pandemic is a way to sort of force creativity and introspection, which a certain amount of that is good and then more of it can drive you crazy. But uh, uh, yeah, I know a lot of people who've been going through a lot of crazy stuff, including some who've been, been, been going through the job thing while also having COVID, which is the worst combination
2: that yeah it's horrible yeah. to go on brandon you look like you're about to say something
3: oh yeah mike i was just gonna say yeah i mean I mean we're all connected to the movie industry in some way and is until movie theaters open back up it's like we're all you know everyone's hurting we're all at lower capacity and just my perspective in the music licensing business it's you know it's way down from where it was you know it's persisting a little bit but it's not what it was
0: and I was saying before the podcast, I'm working on a project now. It's it's more a software project than a music project, but it relies on people getting together in the real world to be successful. Yeah. And who would have thought that would ever be, you know, an issue? But I started this thing about a year ago when that seemed like an impossibility. And yeah, now the software is just about done, but how do you market it? How do you bring it out to the world? It's really awesome, but there's no one to use it. Life is on hold. Yeah. Life is on hold, and it has well, Life's been. on hold, but a lot of other responsibilities aren't on hold, and that's the hard Yesterday,
2: Yesterday, uh, at 5 o'clock, my son came upstairs. I was still working, and he said, Dad, I have a sore throat, I'm really sensitive to light, and uh, I've got a headache, and I've been exhausted, and I've slept for like the last 15 hours. Uh. So I instantly jumped into action uh, fortunately, a friend of mine runs a COVID testing company. She was over here by 7.15, gave us both the nasal swab tests. By 8 o'clock, they had picked up the tests and ferried them to the testing clinic down in Orange County. And by 10 o'clock this morning, I got a text and we were both negative, thank God. But
4: well, that's good.
2: It was, we, had, uh,
4: we had the same thing with my yeah. son. And everybody, everybody quarantined in the house. So we all went to three different places in the house Ugh. and separated. Um, it's, it's, it's a little bit crazy, I think, that also, you know, for the, even the people that are working, it's, I mean, it's the first time I've ever worked at home. Yeah. So the, the thing is, like today, I woke up, 6.30, went, I may as well go to work. Just went in the other room, started working. And I'm fine, I'm working actually way longer hours because there's nothing else to do. It's not like you can really go anywhere. I mean, I drive around on the weekends. Right. You you can't go anywhere. You can't. So it's zoom and sitting in a room and, and trying to get some exercise every day. You know,
0: it's, it's so
1: tough because you, especially like I was all geared up to do a certain project and then it just got canceled. And so you have all this time. And like you said, there's nothing to do. And I'll be honest, you can only watch so much Netflix, right? I mean, after a while, you're just like, it's just painful. And, and, and for me, you know, I, I actually slipped into a depression and I didn't, I, I didn't do anything. I, didn't, I couldn't create, I couldn't edit, I couldn't do anything. I was just, it was really, just really, really bad. Really, and I
4: think really, it's also bad. hard spending a year stressed out, nervous, and maybe at times scared.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
4: That it's just like, oh God, just enough already of the of the weight. But it could be it could be a lot worse.
1: Well, that's the thing. It could be a lot worse. And then I also noted, you know, I I reached out. um, Actually, I didn't reach out. some Some people reached to me, a couple of really good friends reached you know called me and and one in particular timing was impeccable and it just that actually helped snap me out of it and then just slowly start going up to hell and it was just i mean those are the people that you just hold dear and and you just you just keep going and that's the thing, man, check on your friends, you know, check on everybody, just just have that human contact and call them up and just make yourself available. So yeah, it was really tough, but I'm glad we're back. I, I, I just, you know, I wanted to get the podcast going. Guys, we're starting in April, April 6th. We will have been podcasting for 15
3: years.
0: How crazy is that? How is that even possible?
2: It's so insane. Like, wasn't Teddy Roosevelt the president 15 (laughs) years ago? I
1: can't even remember. Uh, uh, I just like, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think we're, Probably one of the oldest podcasts, but I definitely know we're, we're probably the oldest pro audio podcast out there, and, and it's it's just great. You know, it's just really it's really awesome that we have this roundtable and that we can support everybody. Well, we're going to talk more about pivoting and stuff like that, and and a little bit later uh, in the podcast, um, but uh, and kind of continue this discussion, but. I mean, it is our podcast and we are pro audio. So let's talk about pro audio and talk a little gear. And first of all, um, I just got to ask everybody, um, anybody do any of the, you believe in music stuff from, from Nam? Did you go online? Did you watch any of that stuff? Anybody? No. <laughs>
0: I did I'll go next year. That was it. I tried.
1: I really did. I, I got the app and I actually connected with, with a listener, um, and I tried, but I, it was it, it actually it depressed me even more because you know Nam. If you've never been to Nam, Nam is such a social event. I mean, yeah. it's the gear, but it's mainly running into the guys that you hadn't seen in a while or and just reconnect. I mean, you know, everybody knows the story of this podcast. We started, you know, at Nam because we would go to dinners, and so Nam is such a social thing that it just it just was the whole belief in music was just pale in comparison, you know? And you can read
0: all that. I have a real issue with all these things where they try to take what's a real social experience and bring it online. Like I've had plenty of times over this last year, I've had friends who've wanted to do like Zoom happy hour and Zoom Halloween parties and Zoom gatherings. And you know what? They depress the heck out of me. I stopped going. I just can't do it. Zoom Christmas parties and all that crap. It's like, no, that's not we don't go to a Christmas party so that we can see each other as a two inch square on a screen, yeah, you know, and sit in our own house in our pajamas. Like that's not the point. And so you don't replace it with that and expect it to work for everybody. So actually all of those approximations of real social activity I'm done with, I, I don't even pretend to say I'm going to go anymore. And so the idea, it would be like attending the NAB show in Vegas and pretending that seeing the exhibits is the main reason you go to the show or even, you know, uh, a majority of the reason. So I, I'm done with that whole simulation of the real world thing.
4: But I do find I zoom people, at least one person a day. So those people I haven't haven't seen seen in a while.
2: I mean, I, 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 I must have four or five Slack or Zoom meetings every oh, yeah. single day and I hate them.
4: I, oh I do, no, but, no no wait that's business though, right? Yeah, of course yeah, it's that's business. business. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, I do course. a ton of those too. Yeah. sometimes it's good just to see like what have you been up to? How how are you how are you how are you coping? How are you handling all this? Yeah.
2: I'm well, getting my nerd chi on, um, and I'm gonna. I, I may be right there with Rob. We'll see. This weekend, every President's Day weekend is a gaming convention by the airport called Strategicon, and of course, this year it's online and it's all of five dollars. And I have signed up to play Dungeons and Dragons all day tomorrow and all day Saturday. So we'll, you know, all on Discord and you know we'll We'll see if it's even remotely something, but the need to connect with other people is so palpable in any way possible, you know? Uh, We'll see.
1: Okay, let's let's just, uh, let's see if you're up for it, Nick. Okay, you're standing there in the woods and in front of you is a door.
2: I, do, I roll a perception check to see if there are any traps on the door. <laughs> I'm channeling my 13-year-old me, okay? All right. It's been so, 40 years. Come that's on. so awesome.
0: I have a to you talking about, but I would love to be in the forest and see a door right now.
1: That's like, <laughs> so true. So true.
0: I'm well, pretty
2: sure but, you can go right down to the dispensary down the street, Rob, and, and be able to create that environment for yourself.
0: That means uh, actually traveling. You, you know, know what? I, that, funny thing. I uh, uh, I've been driving a Chevy Volt uh, lately, which uh, a good friend of ours owns. But I've been using it, and I love that car. But I got in it to go to the grocery store a couple days ago, and on the screen it said, "You have not driven in so long that your gas is getting stale, and you can't run the car on electric until you run down half the gas tank." Like that's wow. what it's done. Like even the car is rejecting <laughs> me, saying you don't drive. <laughs>
3: I didn't, I didn't know even, stale gas
0: was a thing. Uh, well, so. That's that. so now for the next, I think, 182 miles or something like that, it's going to be on gas to run the tank down. The right. problem, 182 miles, it's going to take me a year and a half to drive 182 miles.
4: <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, you know what you do where... is, Rob, you go down the 10, you go all the way to PCH, go all the way up past Ventura, go all the way to the 126, down back to the 5. And you do that and you enjoy the sun and the ocean and... Yeah, that's what I... I have to
0: just go an hour out of my way to get
4: groceries next time.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it's good to get out there and go see some scenery, uh, especially when the alternative is doing all this virtual online stuff. But I will say, having said the fact that I, I just couldn't do the whole Nam thing, there were some really cool products that came out. Um, you know, Core did... They they released a slew of stuff, you know, new synths and things like that. Um, But the most exciting one, I thought, was uh, Sequential Sequential, uh, with the uh, modules of their Profit 5 and their Profit 10, which I think is just really, really awesome, especially the Profit 5, because I don't need another keyboard, but I would love to get that module because that, you know, the Profit 5 has just, you just can't beat the sound, especially that one with all the different things that Dave told us when he was on the podcast. So that's, that was pretty cool. But anyway, other than that, um, you know, just more of the same and more, more stuff and new stuff. And uh, I don't know, it didn't really uh, gear just (laughs) during the pandemic, you know, it it just doesn't turn me on as much as it used to, you know, certain things do, but still I'm just, you know, after a while, you see a new plugin come out, you'd see this, see that you're just like, it's just, I'm just kind of numb right now to the whole thing.
0: So it's it's kind of crazy. But well, um, our next nam will probably be the party of the century.
2: It's oh, my gosh. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> you will be yeah. required to drink until you vomit before uh, oh you're gosh. even allowed to walk in the place.
1: I, I just may hug everybody. Like, I, I don't care. I'm just going to see people. I'm just going to give them hugs. Security
4: guard. Days, it's no. so
2: good to see you, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh but yeah, so so that was that was that. Well let me tell you, you know, um there's a few things I wanna I wanna talk about. And one of them was, you know, when these jobs went away and they kind of vaporized, I was in the situation where you're like, oh my gosh, now what do you do? And And I actually picked up a really nice gig that I've been doing for a couple of weeks. And I'm working as a DIT, uh, doing DIT, which is digital imaging technology and data wrangling for a film that that I'm on. And it's kind of cool because I have my own little trailer and uh, I have my setup. And really, it got me thinking about audio and working in audio. And, you know, we did a show where we were talking about pivoting into audio, like people who were doing, you know, wanted to get into audio, be a songwriter or, you know, or artist or whatever. Um, but then it got me thinking, what does audio do for you that should all those avenues just fall apart? What is it that you can use um, in other applications in other industry? And the one thing that, I really could see myself doing was um, first of all I taught myself editing and shooting because of coming up through my audio editing skills you know when you when you edit audio there's a lot of um, similar skills that you would use in picture you know like with tempo and with beats and things like that Um, but also managing data, right? We all have to manage a ton of data and and all our stuff is precious because we're we're working on it right then and there. And that's what kind of the DIT, you know, I'm responsible for all the footage that's coming off of the cameras. So as the cameras, you know, as they fill up the cards, I'm responsible for taking that and for copying it and keeping track of it and and giving the cards back. And let me tell you, um, it really felt like, my keyboard teching days where you're like, you're responsible for the show. Like you have to get everything up and running and you're responsible for the show that's on your shoulders. Like, and there's no other greater example than that than the Stevie wonder shows. Right, Rob. I mean, we were the heart of the show. Like everything had to be perfect and everything had to be reliable and it always had to work. And it's the same thing when you're doing DIT, like, you always have to have that data. It always has to be protective and you always got to make sure it gets copied and you're kind of the center of, of the production unit because everything funnels through you. Not that you're the center of the movie or anything like that, but workflow, it all comes through you. And, and I just had that same like like feeling of, of, wow, this is super important and you really have to just do your gig and you really have to just pay attention and you can't like, (laughs) there's a slim margin between making the right type of copy or blowing away a card. And, and, you know, they just spent two hours getting the right take with the stars and everything. So it's, it was actually pretty cool. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about, about doing that, but that was all I, you know, I qualified for that because I actually did it audio job for the director. Um, and then he liked that. And, you you know, we started talking. I told Keyboard Tech, blah, 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 make a long story short. He offered me the job. And I said, yeah, sure, I can do that.
2: <laughs> Mike, can you tell us briefly how you, first of all, congratulations. Hmm. Second of all, what is your method for organizing all of those little teeny tiny cards and making sure, are they all numbered? Do you have a log or something? How do you do it? Uh,
1: so here's here's what I what I do is I first of all, you have to ask all these questions like how many cameras you're shooting and what they're going to shoot you. So it's primarily, since it's a feature film, you know, it's one or two cameras, right? Different angles. And so what I do is I got the physical cards and I labeled them A, B, and C, A, B, and C. So there's, there's camera A, camera B. And then I talked to the the AC, which is the assistant camera person who's in charge of all that. And I said, okay, use only the blue cards for camera B and only the black cards for camera A. So, it's really, really, you know, specific. And then every time I do an offload, I created a database that I enter in what card it is and I entered the time that it was, the date that it was, and I also enter in um, which particular card and how much... um, is being dumped off, whether it's going to be 365 gigabytes or it's going to be, you know, 500 gigabytes. Because I could tell the director, I could say, hey, yeah, it looks like we're, we're shooting, you know, we're, we're averaging like 1.1 terabyte a day. And then all of a sudden we hit this one day where we did three terabytes in that one day. And it's like, um, they were super long takes and things like that. And so the director will come up to me and how we're we doing and I'll just tell him. And it kind of gives him a quantifiable way to keep like how their pace is going, you know, and, and how, what they're, how they're filming. Um, I mean, they have other ways, but he really likes to to be involved in that. And then because of all my spaces and all that, you know, I do, I know color correction. And so when the DP will come up and say, Hey, I'd like to see this shot, can you throw a lot on it? Then I, I have two computers going. And so I take it the data and I put it up and I throw a lot of it. And that way they can check their lighting right then and there. So really on big productions, cause this is an independent film, but like on, on big productions, there's actually an onset color corrector who's actually coloring as they're shooting so that they can see it. I just kind of, you know, when they want to, I'm referencing there, but my main job is to, um, Make sure all the data gets preserved, and so once it comes in it goes to my drive, then I transfer part of it to transfer drives, and then we offload that to the um, post production house because we have an editor assembling right now, so the post production house will take it, and they'll they'll copy it so i I actually keep track of which cards go on which transfer drive to the post house and when you just keep track of everything because mainly should a card go down, you know, which card you're going to pull. So you're like, Oh my gosh, I had problems with this card. You pull that card. You don't use it again, but knock on wood. There's so far so good.
2: Do you back up the data or is there ever a point where there's only the data on one transfer drive? It's there's always backed up somewhere.
1: Three times it's not backed up unless you have three backups and actually right go. now we've we've got four backups because now the post production house has the the film and they back up theirs again so it's it's backed up you know digital is so unforgiving it's either there or it's gone right and and so you just have to cover yourself and and i get nervous um just on the initial plug in on the card like because everything is so rock solid because of my touring days. I built a rack and I got everything going and I know how to mount my hard drives and everything. But the one unknown is plug it in that, that, that uh, we're using T5 cards. So you plug in that T5 card and you're just like, okay, fingers crossed. But so far, they've been pretty bulletproof. And like on wood, we haven't lost any data. And, you know, if it's up to me, we're not going to lose any data. If we lose Fight. data, it's going to be... Let me
4: ask you this. One of the things that I've noticed and I'm starting to do research actually for the MPSC and other groups is looking at at large-based cloud storage that is secure, that is built like a server. So you can build nested folders and infrastructure. So while VPN is so slow, you know, I've looked at G Drive, you know, sort of Dropbox, but none of these are quite right Aspera. So, you know, what I'm looking towards now is the video world, because audio is so small, and video is constantly all the editors I know are working at home. Right. So they've got to be utilizing, I know they're remote controlling in, on their systems. What have you guys found in general that has been a good storage medium to be able to use it as a cloud-based hard drive that multiple people can use securely but that can have uh, integrated folder structure so the way
1: i i don't know how other productions do it but the way our production is doing it once we film on set so we we go on set and once i get the the data then i transfer the that day's data onto what i to transfer drives and those drives go to the post house and daily they'll just Upload so you're it and, sneaker,
4: oh, are you still doing SneakerNet, yeah. or you doing this cloud-based?
1: no, it's all Sneaker. It's all it's all you know SneakerNet because of the amount of data. When you know terabytes and terabytes of yeah. of, of data, yeah. so we go SneakerNet and then they ingest it and then they post the dailies online. So then wherever we're at, we can see the dailies um, through a secure connection, um, and that way, that's how they use the internet and in the cloud. They don't really. No one's really um, accessing it for editing because the editor actually, during COVID, you know, if there's a person that can actually go into work, it's the editor because they work in a small, you know, in an edit bay anyhow. So it's not like they have a lot of people. And then they, you know, use Frame.io or any, you know, a couple other programs to producers to check in and the director to check in. So it's it's that way um, right now. Um, I think so you're doing
2: tech on that front? So one of the problems with the internet, as you guys well know, is that uh, download speed is so much faster than upload. So it's really hard, even though audio is a lot smaller than video, you know, it still adds up and you still have a lot of data there. Um, But what we use all day long, uh, to be able to continue communicating with each other is Slack and, and Zoom Slack, particularly because everybody on my team, we've got our own Slack channel, you know, we're just constantly up there, you know, for the longest time, I thought that chatty kind of stuff was dumb and you use email instead, but it's invaluable. And it's the, it's our primary means of communication. Now we use it for video calls. And if somebody's doing audio, they'll, uh, Post an example right in the Slack channel. Hey, what do you think about this? Or here, here's a bunch of uh, auditions that we need to listen to, and we just post them to the snack to, to the snack channel to the Slack channel, and it's really, <laughs> really, it's really easy.
4: You know, we I've been using. Um, I'm working in an animation piece, and I'm constantly talking to the director, and we're spotting and showing me stuff, and we're going back and forth, trying to communicate online, and uh, there's something called sketch. And there's another one. There's a whole bunch of new ones that are coming out. That uh, like ones called Spotterfish for audio. You could put a quick time on. You can have up to 10 people, and you could spot it all together. You could say, uh-huh. "I want this. I want this." So there's a, what's interesting in this new dynamic we're in. It's like when the internet first started. People said, "Hey, I can create commerce and I can create entertainment." So one of the big things I see coming out of COVID is the ability to be able to work remotely. And I I don't believe we're going to go back to the way it was. So I think now, you know, I'm with a company that's international. So in the mornings, I'm talking to Europe. In the evenings, I'm talking to China. So now all of a sudden, we're trying to find ways to communicate, ways of sharing information. Slack, again, great. Aspera. I think that, you know, ways of spotting, sending QuickTime, saying, what do you think of this? Little sketches, whether they're music, I got the composers sending me music. So it's very fascinating now to see this new uh, uh, amount of work that's going to start coming. And look, whoever invents a strategic uh, uh, thing, a good friend of mine, Jeff Eisner, just joined a company called SohoNet, which is based in London. And you got Evercast and you got StreamBox. And all these companies are now trying to find ways to do real-time communication, playback. Where now directors can sit in their home theater or on headphones and audition things. It's 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 fascinating on what's starting to evolve.
1: You know, along this. Uh, I was just going to say a lot along those lines, one of the things that helped pull me out of this whole depression and the spiral that I was in is I got a small sound job um, where I did uh, sound design and mix for a, for a horror film. Nice. Uh, and uh, it's a short and it was, we spotted it online. Playback was all online. Everything was done online. And uh, it's, I, I agree with you, Scott, man, this is a new, this is the new paradigm because It was so easy in some ways. And actually I preferred it in other ways because as the director was sitting there giving me notes um, and I'm playing back, I'm, you know, your keyboards, you're, you're taking your notes. And then there's such a, we're so focused on what we're doing. It just seems like we just got a lot done because he wasn't getting interrupted. You know, sometimes when you go to spotting session, right? And then they, hey, can you hold on? And they go out and they take the phone call or whatever. It just everything was just so focused. And actually, I, I really I was quite enjoyable. The whole the whole thing was quite enjoyable. And I even the crew, I, I I did everything on my own except one thing. There was there was some foley that needed to get done. And I didn't have the time because I was on such a crunch that I just pulled a favor from my friend and I said, look, I need you to fully just this one thing, you know. And so that they fully the you know, the whole time. And it was it just saved me so much time. But even that was great because you just quick times going boom, boom, flying it in. And and I just think I'm with you, man. It's a whole different different paradigm. And you're gonna see that, you know, when when whatever company wins that battle, it's gonna be pretty awesome. It's
4: and, pretty. and you know, just I find the workflow uh, it, I mean, even back from when I was shooting Walla Group for Mrs. America, you know, at the end of it, I had to do everything remotely. And I've got a Waller Group session I need to shoot in March or April. And that's going to be a very interesting dynamic. And even the thing of mixing. So one of the things I decided to do was I ended up making sure everyone was using, using the exact same headphones. They're headphones that I like, so I made sure everyone got the same headphones, so now we're hearing exactly the same mix. That's,
3: that's great.
4: You know, that's great. Um, yeah. Because otherwise, you know, I'm going to get, there's not enough low end or there's too much high end. And, you know, um, and I, a couple of people recommended a headphone. I didn't like it, to be honest. Um, so I went a different way.
3: Wait, okay. what, are you, you,
4: what are you using, Scott?
3: Yeah, you got to so, tell us. You got to yeah, tell yeah. us what, what you
4: didn't like and what you do like. I'm using the blues, I okay. like these. They sound a lot like my speakers um, as far as they've got low-end, but they're not like hyped low-end. Sure. Full range. I actually started using these, and I found out about it. In TV mixing sometimes, the dialogue mixer will put headphones on while the effects mixer is doing his pass and vice versa. So they're always wearing headphones. One of them is always wearing headphones. And they, I said, yeah, but how do they translate? Somebody turned me on to These. And they translate to my barefoots pretty well, so I just said, "Great." Um, somebody recommended the uh, the buyer 770s, and they're very nice, but the they just have a different sound. And um, so the uh, these are called the um, MoFi's or MixFi, and um, and they're they're great. They're about two ninety nine. Wow. You know, so they're not, you know, I've got a lot of headphones, but um, I was trying to find something that everybody could use. And now when we're going on, I'm sending them QuickTimes. They're all using headphones. So now, for better or for worse, we're all hearing the same thing.
1: Headphones are becoming so important to the workflow in ways that people, you know, Five yeah. ten years ago, we used to poo poo on headphones, right? Like, remember when it was like you mixed out on headphones, and then all the problems about headphones, and you know, not enough volume, phantom center, blah 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 blah. But you know, they're starting to figure all this stuff out. Then you have the room emulators that are out there. The Sony I mean, Sony
4: headphones are amazing if you can set it up. What they you know what the Sony thing they've done now? What they've done? It's amazing. So what they've done is. You go to the dubbing stage, right now is the Sony dubbing stage. And what they've done is they've they have figured created, let's say, I'm using the wrong word, but an IR of the room. Then what they do is they put you in the room and put and hook up special things to your ears to be able to get you your exact personal HRTF. Wow. So and it's Atmos. So now um, Will Files and a bunch of other guys—they're actually putting headphones on, and they could hear the Sony room that they room because they've—they've pinked their—they've uh, scanned their ears. They scanned the room. You can't use a library. You can't sell a library because you need your own ears in right. that room to be scanned. But now he's at home, and he's in the Cary Grant, and the only thing that's not translating obviously is sub. But he hears things above. He he hears it exactly the way he hears it. So it's not for sale yet. They showed it at the mix event um, in August. And I've spoken to the guys. It's an amazing technology that's basically modeling your ears and how it would hear in a specific room. And eventually, if they configure your ears and how that would work, we could then start doing modeling of acoustic spaces in multi-channel environments and from what i hear several of the people that are doing it are blown away it says they say it's pretty much the sound of the room that they're working in
1: wow wow that's that's pretty exciting that is pretty cool hey i'm a big i've been i've always been a big headphone proponent and uh i actually uh had to mix a uh an edit to a documentary in 5.1 and I didn't have a 5.1 system. So I had to use NX and it it worked. It worked. Like if you know your meters, especially with 5.1, right. If you just know what you're listening to and you're, and, and you just know your meters, like where your dialogue is supposed to be and how it, how it's supposed to act. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'm explaining this right, but like when I was, you know, mixing every single day, I, you literally could like, lower the volume and just look at your meters and you could tell what was going on with your mix just by seeing how your meters were reacting. Like at least I, I could, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but like, you know, your dialogue is supposed to be bouncing. Right. And you just, you just see it there. So using a combination of that and then monitoring on the NX,
4: it, it, it worked and it matched. And it, it, it's good. amazing the streaming technology. Cause like even now, in film, it's a whole different discussion because it's, it's, a, it's a different acoustical space. But when I'm doing mixes, I go straight to, I get some bows, I put it to the TV, I put it to the computer monitor, and I'm going, I watch TV all the time. Does it sound like good TV? Exactly. And then you go, all right, they, it, nothing's better. And the room size is kind of similar to the room that are am going to be watching TV in. So there's a fascinating, I think, evolution, revolution, that's starting to occur, and from what I sense, the wave is coming. So here's something to help you, Mike. Take a deep breath. Okay. See the sun. Enjoy, actually, the time you have, because from what I'm hearing, for the next two years, there is going to be a tidal wave of work in, in streaming TV posts. That you will be able if you want to do seven days, there's enough work. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> because you think about it just perfectly,
0: <laughs>
4: Disney Plus needs material. No, new I do shows that Amazon, Amazon. Is unbelievable. everybody. I mean Disney, they're saying whatever you do, we don't care about anything other than Disney Plus. The stocks going down. Put that up there. And Netflix and and Paramount's coming online now. Yeah, and, and CBS is going into Paramount. Everybody is repositioning themselves in this industry to be able to deal, and there's not going to be all winners. It's going to take about five years before we settle on who's going to win. But for the next five years, everyone's going to be flooding the market with their latest, greatest, coolest reason to spend 10 bucks a, a month on them.
1: You know what's amazing about that, Scott, is what you know is you have Discovery Plus, right? Discovery Plus just came on board. Yeah. Here's what happens when these networks put up a streaming uh, service. What the streaming service does is it gets all their content. Like when they're just a network and they feed it onto cable TV. it it comes out as a little stream, right? So you can kind of control how it's coming out. It's coming out. Your content's coming out. When you put it on a streaming service, it all can come out at the same time. You're just burning through content. Like you're burning through content. If you've seen how much Netflix is pushing out, like it's just content after content. You just see it coming out. And all these other uh, uh, streaming services are going to have to do the exact same thing. And that's one of the problems with, Disney Plus is they're not producing enough content because of of the fact that once you had it for a little while and you go through their back catalog now you want to keep going I think
4: forward. that to be able to compete against Netflix, there are, I'm going to call it loosely the old guard and those are the people that have big libraries, the, the MGMs, the Disney sure. um, they already have a back catalog and they're going look, you can watch it anytime you want a lot of us have seen most of all the shows we want to watch. So now it's about new content and it's all about, excuse me, but the stock market and the stock market, you know, with the with but just looking at Disney, cause I own a ton of Disney stock, but the theme parks are down. The movies oh, yeah. are down. Disney is down by 80 to 90% of revenue. The only, and going forward, they'll get it back, but it's not going to be the same. Their next thing they're going to do now has to be Disney Plus, Google now YouTube TV is huge for them. It's actually making a, a, a move for Google. So when you think about all these people that are in the content business right now, the only thing slowing them down is being able to go out and do production. Yeah. But boy, once once it becomes easy and they can produce, and not only that, just add one more thing. Because I'm with a company called Keyword Studios where there's 8,000 people worldwide. They're huge. But what I'm hearing is I'm talking to the France people and the German people, and they're all doing Netflix. They're all doing local shows. So when you see shows, everything like the Vikings to other shows, a lot of these shows are not U.S.-based shows. They're being done in Europe and in Asia. So now what's happening is this giant content pool. Yeah, that's starting to take place. I think it's exciting and I think it's it's the it's the rebirth and the new renaissance of entertainment. I love my movies, I love my games. Games hasn't slowed down. Games have been very you know doing well through through the pandemic. But now it's coming up and you know, and all my film guys are now jumping into streaming.
1: Well, I mean, that's cuz that's the only thing that'll be around for a little bit and i'll tell you what one thing with netflix is they're opening up an animation studio so they're doing their own animation and i know this because they're opening up their own animation post-production audio
4: post-production so and i'm doing two netflix animation shows
1: yeah so it's gonna be it's 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 the wild the wild west again but um but just know your craft and practice, you know, if you're just starting out, you know, do those YouTubes, do those small little things. You just never know. Even, you know, the the small film that I did, um, they, I mean, it already got accepted to a festival. So, it's going to do the whole festival circuit. So, that just, you know, and if it wins an award, it, it's only going to help me out. So, it's just, you know, you just got to get out there because like Scott's saying, I'm I, there's a whole slew of work that's coming, um, which is exciting. It's exciting. You just got to be ready and you got to be prepared. Um, and the new workflows, you know. And I
4: was talking to audio companies. I talked to uh, Westlake Audio. Some of these companies are having the biggest year they've ever had. Oh,
1: absolutely. I know that for a fact. I
4: know. Like, yes. Oh, my God. And And Westlake's building more Atmos rooms because everybody's like, oh, we're down. Let's build some more Atmos rooms while we're down. And you know we being one of them, and um, so when they come back now they have more capabilities. I mean, uh, for just bought Technicolor, wow. And so that's a big, big move in the in the post audio industry.
1: Let me let me ask a question really quick. As long as we're talking on this. Um, and wow, the time is flying, but I want to get your opinion and actually everybody's opinion, but I had this discussion about Atmos. Like everybody and their grandmother is, is doing Atmos and, and, you know, putting Atmos room. But is Atmos, like on the consumer side of things, you just don't see it quite as much. And people, I don't know if people really care quite as much. So my question is, Scott, is how much more work does Atmos add to your mix? So, like, if you can work mix something, normally it would take a week. Does it add a half a week? Does it add another week? Or does, can you mix Atmos in the exact same week with the new tools that they have?
4: I mean, just to give you idea. Because, is it,
1: because is, it, is it going to be the 3D TV? Like, is Atmos going to come and everybody gets it's all It's not out?
4: even that. So, we're doing, we've been doing a bunch of stuff in China. They want all of their telephone mixes done in Atmos. Because what they're now doing is then creating a binaural, um, s- basically, a m- Maui? Huawei. Yeah. yeah. Huawei. Huawei. All their phones are all Atmos. So what you can do now is look up, look down, look around, and now they're listening in a sphere. Hmm. So they've put that on all their phones, so you get have to put ADM files. Uh, mm-hmm. And I thought... Atmos on a phone? I don't don't understand. And I researched it, and they're like, oh, they're using 3D audio. They're taking the ADM Atmos files and then rendering it in such a way to now create a 3D audio experience in headphones because their headphones are smart headphones. So now on their phone, you know, everyone's trying to up their technology. We're not exposed to that in the United States, but that's something that they're doing, and I think that's fascinating. I think there's Atmos film, And then there's consumer Atmos and that's a whole nother discussion. Sure. Because Amazon, but think about the music. All my friends are now doing Atmos remixes of all these old albums in Atmos for Amazon. Yeah. For their Amazon studio.
1: Look, it's amazing. It sounds great, but you know, Atmos just requires so much from the consumer that I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm so skeptical right now. I know for film, obviously, film is is locked in. It's 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 there, but I'm talking about all these, you know, consumer atmos where you have to buy the sound bar that fires into the ceiling, fires into the floor, all that, all that kind of stuff. And the only reason why I'm saying this is because, like, the feature film that I'm working on right now, they're talking about the sound, and I'm kind of in a really good position <laughs> to possibly get the sound gig for this thing, um, and and. You know, they want to do the whole, they're talking about the whole Atmos thing. And I'm like, you know, but
4: I I don't know. I I don't know. Think of forgetting theatrical. Put that aside for a second. Sure. No, I am. Okay. Really, home Atmos is 7-1. It's 7-1 plus a ceiling hit. But because everyone's got a different ceiling, whether it's sloped or whatever, it's kind of an unknown. So what you're really making is a 7-1 mix with stuff. So yeah. it's a seven one plus two, seven one plus four. Yeah. And if the people that are really woo, they're doing a nine plus, you know, nine one plus four plus six. You know, you can go crazy with it. Right. So every once
1: every once in a while, just throw that ricochet up in the room, and you, you just keep going.
4: Ricochet yeah. up I mean, to the ceiling. <laughs> creatively, what do you want to put up there? And that's it's an interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting discussion for the home market.
1: No, that's that's interesting. You know,
4: I I think that
2: this is, you know, what you guys are talking about in a home market is very rarefied atmosphere, um, atmosphere. Um, I think that it's very niche. And and the main reason is because setting up all the speakers in your living room is a
4: complete pain in the ass. No, it's got to be a sound bar. Nothing else is going to work at home. I mean, for the... For the mass population.
2: Well, what about you? what do you, so everything is like Bluetooth to the surround, so you don't have wires. I mean, how do you do all that? No,
4: they're shoot. What they're doing is they're doing they're shooting in different directions. Mm-hmm. Some of them do it better than others. There was one that I saw when I was over at Technicolor from Fraunhofer. And it was the first time I heard it, and uh, it blew me away. I said, "Where's the sub? And where's your surrounds?" And they went, "No." it's that little bar right there because that was the first time I heard a good sound bar. Oh. And I'm like, you're kidding me. And I heard it all over the room, above me, around me. Anyway, I said, great, I want to buy that. And they said that it was a proof of concept. It's not for sale. I said, if it ever comes for sale, I would like it. And it was. It's a pretty big unit. So three years later, Sennheiser creates a sound bar that is basically the Fraunhofer Institute's sound bar. Really? 2,000 bucks. It's not cheap, but if you want a soundbar, Atmos soundbar, that's like, holy shit, that's the one to get mm-hmm. that I know of at the moment. There's a ton,
2: you know. That's astounding. That I mean, that takes care of all of the practical And you don't need a sub, and you don't need
4: surrounds. Yeah. And in some soundbars, what they're doing is they have a main soundbar, and then they have uh, wireless satellites. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, hey Mike, before we move on from this uh, topic, I was I was hoping I could, we, you know, we we went to the absolute high end with what Scott was talking about. I wanted to share a much more prosaic but very affordable solution that I found that some of our listeners might be able to, you know, sure use, particularly in terms of a laptop. So, you know, I'm constantly experimenting with different things. Um, I am a big fan of the Sennheiser HD650. Uh, headphones. Those are my favorites. I like mixing music on them. I think they're great. The problem with them when you're working all day long is that they're heavy and it's a little too much. And so I've experimented with a new setup that would work on any laptop and would be perfect for editing. So if you're not planning on actually recording into the thing, but you want to edit and you want to spend less than $500. So the first thing is these, which is the Sennheiser HD 599s. So they're less expensive than the 650s. But the reason I like them is because they're lighter. Mm. Um, they're open ear headphones. So therefore, you know, you're, you don't feel claustrophobic all day long. And, uh, you know, they're, they're simple, but they work beautifully. I've been recording a ton of dialogue. And these things are sensitive enough that I can hear a, a pin drop. Yeah. Um, and the other piece that I am using them with is this, which is a dragonfly red. This is a $200 little USB-based uh, D to A, and you plug it in, wow. and it's USB compliant. Oh, you plug your cool. headphones in there, and it sounds awesome. That's it sounds cool. just great. And so what I love about this is that it's very affordable, and if you're somebody who's a dialogue editor or somebody who's you know just starting out and they just want to mix and they don't have all of this awesome equipment... You take a laptop, you know, a modern-day current laptop, like a MacBook M1 or something, and you uh, plug that in, and you plug these these headphones in, and you've got yourself a completely rocking and very reasonable um, audio production studio for wow. not very much money. That's
1: that great. That is cool. That is cool. I'm a, I'm a headphone juggy, so I will definitely check that
3: out. I actually hey, like
1: – well, go ahead.
3: Oh, go ahead. I'll, no, I'll no, chime no. in in a minute. Oh, <laughs> sort of a sort of related topic to all this on sort of the home studio front, but related to headphones. And uh, has anyone tried the software called SonarWorks? It just came to my attention. It's sort of a a room and headphone calibration software that sort of flattens the curve of your room. Huh. And to make you know, if you're mixing in an unideal environment, or even if you've got acoustic panels to stop the reflections, but you may have some resonant frequencies, and your room's not a perfectly flat curve because what room is? Um, this software, you know, it comes with a low calibration microphone, you run tests out of your speakers, you can do it in your headphones, you know, it runs sine wave, sine wave swoops or whatever for in every different position. And it sort of calibrates and resets, you know, applies a certain EQ, EQ curve onto what's coming out of your speakers to sort of compensate and flatten your curve. And also with your headphones, if you want to do it with headphones, what's kind it of an called? interesting it's called Sonarworks. There's a few different versions of this. Like, you know, like if you buy the newer Genelec speakers, they have their own version for their own speakers of calibrating right. room. It's right. a similar type thing to that. Um, but there's a few different versions. One just does it for headphones. The more expensive comes with a mic to do your your, your speaker monitors. Uh, but, yeah, kind of interesting. I was wondering if anybody had heard of that or tried it. I'm kind of curious.
4: I've I, mean, I that, I tra- and I, he, say, he swears by it. But I, I don't think it does like multi-channel, I think it does stereo. And, and when
1: I had I my Genelex right. over at the other place where I used to work, um, I used their calibration and their stuff actually worked really well. I mean, it calibrated the monitors. So it basically is, it's the good old-fashioned, you know, it's the modern version of that graphic EQ that would be right in the amp. <laughs> You know, back in the old studio days where you have your graphic uh, there, you just set and forget. So I'd be curious, though, give us an update if you try it out, because I really, really, really would like to know more about that one.
3: I might. What's interesting about this one is they've sort of idiot proofed it, you know, and uh, made it uh, from what the reviews I've read. The software sort of walks you through everything. It's not very complicated and uh, it's not going to fix, you know, if you've got horrible reflections in your room, it's not going to fix that, obviously. But if you've got a less than ideal mixing environment, it may be an improvement. So it's the final 5% or something of your mixing environment. So I may try it. We'll we'll see, I'll report back if I do.
1: That would be really cool. And by the way, if you do have horrible reflections in your room, one good way to overcome that is listen on a lower volume. Just get rid of the reflections, you know. So Mike,
4: you're the Apple guy. All right. Apple Pro headphones. What do you think, have you used them? You know
1: I I I have a problem. I've read a lot of reviews. I haven't heard them. Some people that I trust have and they they they're supposed to be stellar, but I I just, you know, beats and Apple headphones are so overhyped, man. They're just. Are you so, talking
3: about these things, Scott?
4: <laughs> no, no, the, <laughs> the, the, over, the, power, the, the ear, over the ear, ear over
1: ones. It. The over the ear ones. They're
4: about five, six hundred bucks. They're
1: five hundred bucks, and I'm like, I, I want to hear them, but i I'm so like, let's put it this way: Apple doesn't have a quadrillion. Dollars because they sell, you know, bargain stuff, right? They just—it's so overpriced. When I saw the price of that, I was just—I I couldn't do it. Now, if I put them on and they're the most amazing thing I ever heard, then, then yeah, they're they're worth it. If, if, if like, you uh, like what they sound like?
4: You know, Tom Holman. Thomas Holman works for Apple now. Yeah. yeah. VHX, Thomas. Yeah. Homan. No, no, no. Yeah. No, yeah. I know. I ran. I, I ran into him and. I listened to, what was the thing called, the, their speaker? The HomePod. The, the pod. HomePod. It sounds amazing. The problem is you couldn't put anything through it. Like I said, great, i want to buy one or two of them. I'm going to put them on my computer and playlist listen stuff on the computer. Can't do that. Yeah. And, said, and you know. Oh. And for, for so much, what you can play stuff off your phone, and that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah. And they sound, look, they sound good. I I was in the Apple store actually when I was filming, We we were in Paris, heard this amazing system and realized it was coming out of two of those pods. So they can sound good, but they're so expensive and you can find... Products that are just as good if not better. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not gonna pass any judgment until I actually hear them. I'm really curious though, Scott, you know, about those headphones. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean if you can justify five hundred dollars for headphones, they better sound like amazing. They better just they better add something to, to your music because that's just a lot of money
4: to spend, you know? Well, because yeah, you're getting your into money. But Apple's always 20% more than it should be.
2: Yeah. But that gets right back to these things. I mean, yeah.
4: you know. I mean, yeah, I got, I got, Sunhe- I got Sunheiser 850s, so I get it.
2: Yeah, they're awesome. Or a pair of
4: Grado's.
2: I mean, there are so many really audiophile headphones out there that are in that price range. I, I just, I, I'm going I, to focus on companies that they're, they, what they do is they make high-quality audio. Thank you very much. I,
1: I mix a lot of headphone mixes on 240Ms. AKG 240 yeah. ms Cause sure. I know that headphone I've been using it for so long. I just know yeah. it's, it's like just this flat headphone, right? So if you can pick, it, it's kind of like the NS10 of headphones, you know, you can make it sound good on a 240 m You can make it sound good on anything. So, well, Hey, listen, man, we are actually going to wrap up. We were going to hit a couple other topics, but I think I'm going to save that for the next podcast. Um, this is just, let's just, consider this getting to know you guys again after, after seven weeks off. (laughs) Uh,
2: But, um, let's just never do that again. Okay.
1: (laughs) uh, You know, we had such a run. We did like, um, 30 shows, you know, once COVID started, we, we just were cranking them out. So it was, you know, it was, it was time for a little break. I just didn't know it was going to happen quite like that, but I just want to encourage everybody. Look, um, if you're going through some depression, if you're going through some really low times and, you know, find something to to work on, you know, just throw yourself back into what what you like to do. And Like, I can't tell you how important it was for me to get that first um, little horror film because it just, you know, it, it gave me a purpose and it, it I just I got creative and and it really helped pull me out of out of the depression. And it was it's there's just something great about seeing a project just build and build and build and build. And you're playing back that final mix for the director and you just, there's this certain amount of just pride that you have. And you just, you just, just really does something for your psyche and it just makes you want to go out there and keep doing and keep doing and keep going. So, you know, sometimes if you have to pull yourself up and out, that's, you know, just, just, just hold on to what you can do and hold on to, to what you create and then just slowly just, grab yourself and, and go out there and, and collaborate, you know, just do something with other people. And it's, it's pretty interesting. And you never know, man, you never know where this crazy world's going to take you. And, you know, you may find yourself in a trailer on a set in Hollywood. <laughs> so it's like, it's just a crazy, crazy world right now. Hey, before we go, anybody working on anything uh, that they, they want to talk about um, Rob,
0: Uh, trying to figure out how to burn off half a tank of gas in a Chevy Volt. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'm continuing work on a lot of software projects, and it's interesting. A lot of the projects that I'm – I actually have a meeting tomorrow about an upcoming project where everybody wants to sort of buckle down now while everybody's still locked up and get things done, but it's towards the goal of things that are going to be cool when we can all get together again in person. Oh,
1: that's so cool. I feel like
0: there's a lot of optimism in the different opportunities that have been coming uh, to me. There's there's investment in new technologies that are going to be viable only once the pandemic has passed. So, I mean, it's still, we got a ways to go, but uh, I feel like there's an optimism that I hadn't seen a few months ago. Also, a lot of the older people in my life have now been vaccinated, so that's that's, oh, a that's good weight off. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I have optimism. I'm still feeling like a caged animal, but other than that <laughs> there's a little optimism well, but nothing
4: to talk about
0: How about you, Scott?
4: Um, I think I can say a couple things So, what we've been working on, that's kind of out and about, so we've g- had a number of projects uh, a bunch of stuff we've done with Riot for the last two years, uh, we've been working on Valorant and uh, Legends of Terra. Uh, and then I just reunited with a director of mine who I did Book of Life with, uh, Jorge Gutierrez. And we're now going to be doing, um, I just started Maya and the Three. That's been out there. I have no clue when it comes out. Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what my life will be probably for the next six months. Wow. So well, that's cool.
1: I love Book of Life. About, so, you what know
4: what? I, I, you know, I. What I appreciate the most out of all of it is the distraction. And I you know, to what you were saying, Mike, and and I totally and I think anything you can find that just distract you. Yeah. You know, go to uh beginning at the Stream Deck and programming and scripting the Stream Deck with SoundFlow and many just trying to find tools and tricks and there are a lot of cool things out there. Um I probably watch more YouTube actually now than I watch uh um TV. I've gotten into astrophysics and um, I'm just I do very strange things, that, you know, that I'm just like, I wonder, like, why don't we know about gravity? Well, let me research, you know, and, and then start understanding space and time and very weird things. So that's what happens during COVID. That's
3: cool. Brandon, how about you? What are you working on? Uh, just working on some new trailer music, trying to uh, refine and make my process quicker. Uh, cause the name of the game is to crank out as much music as you can, you know, while retaining quality. So I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to cram the whole composition, production, mixing, mastering, you know, process, which all of which I'm doing myself down to a week. If I can do it, I can't wow. do it in a week right now. It takes me like two weeks at my fastest, but it's like trying to cram that all into a week and just challenge myself to do that. So,
4: and Brandon, are you creating a, a custom music or library music? Uh, library
3: stuff that I'm just releasing
4: Because I was going to say What a great time To just build up a massive library of material That when it does open
3: <laughs> It would be if you if you didn't have children at home Who you had to homeschool And took up most of your time Right
2: yeah.
1: no, that's, There's that, there's that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I get that
2: well, You guys know how that goes yeah. Oh, I feel um, your pain, my brother Jeez. <laughs> Nick, how about you? Um, well, I'll, always always on the go. Um, first of all, I'm, I, I, I'm right there with Brandon, and I have to give a shout out to every parent who is trying to work from home and raise children at the same time. Scott, I know you have to deal with this, too. It's so... The, the hardest part of it is that I, I'm const, my focus is constantly being taken away from whatever it is that I needed to do at work. So right now, after this show, I'm going to have to work for several hours to catch up for... Stuff I didn't get done before, um, so uh, you know I feel you. I'm really glad that I have a job in which I can work from home, so I'm super lucky along those lines. But it's hard. It's it's hard with kids. Um, for for Disney, uh, it's so nice I can finally start talking about some of this stuff. Um, uh, I directed a audiobook of a book called Lore, which um, has just been released, and it's been on the New York Times bestseller list for five or six weeks now. So. Wow. That's wonderful. Um, I finished a couple of books for National Geographic, and I'm starting another one next week. So that part of things is really, really fun. Um, And then on the art side, as I'm always doing art, there's one thing I did that uh, I'm pretty sure we'll talk about on the next podcast because we're going to talk about it. Um, But beyond that, there is a French uh, modular synthesizer record label named Modulisme, and they got in touch with me. They were doing... um, they were releasing four albums of music by people uh, composing on a Serge modular system. So oh. they asked me to contribute a track for that, which I did and uh, it's up and that's wonderful. And I'm working Fantastic. on it. Yeah, it was, it was cool. Um, and I'm, you know, there's no money in it, but that's not what it's about. It's about creating art. Right. And, and then uh, um, I'm working on an ambient album with a friend of mine. We're almost done with the second track along those lines. And, you know, I'm just, doing my best to try to keep moving forward with a lot of different creative projects. And that creativity has nourished my soul. It's exactly what you're saying, brother. It has given me so much sustenance, you know, and so much grounding and stability when I get depressed or when I get anxious or nervous or freaked out about all of this stuff, it's really been very helpful for me. How how about you, Mike?
1: Well, I'm, uh, I'm just, I'm just going to smile every day. That's, that's what I am. I'm, I'm thankful for the gigs that I got uh, tomorrow. Uh, you know, I, we start filming again and my, uh, my call is at 7 a.m. So that means I'm waking up at 4.30 because I have to drive up into Hollywood. Uh, but the good thing is, is there's no traffic because of COVID. Um,
3: but I will tell you this. <clears throat> and because it's 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay. <laughs> Actually, when I used to do that drive, you know, you'd be amazed how much traffic was was on in early morning. It was it was more than I thought. But here's the thing, just from like where I'm at with like production and things like that, there's a certain amount of optimism as people are slowly starting to shoot more and to film more and to do things and and like for instance, you know, I have to have a COVID test every week to work and every, it's all COVID safe and everybody's being safe. And, but there's this, there's just this, this optimism that's out there that I didn't find, you know, when I was working some shoots during the summer and things like that. And I'm just, I just want to give people hope, you know, I don't think it's going to turn around as fast as people think it's going to turn around, but at least there's a, there's a path. And I know people that have gotten vaccinated, you know, my mom got vaccinated. Um, and so, you know, she's doing well. And it's just, you know, it, it's just crazy. You know, we talk about shutting down and what happened when we shut down. I think the conversation is going to be coming. How are we going to open back up? Like, what is that going to look like? In some ways that's, that's even, you know, just as scary to figure out how that's going to, going to open up.
4: Everyone who just running bathrobes into the street. Yeah,
1: it's it's really it's really interesting. And there's some things that are that are never going to change. Like one thing I think is going to be part of the norm in in uh, in the Western world that was normal over in um, in Asia is wearing masks like more and more people are just going to wear masks as part of their daily like when you commute when you go on planes things like that it's just going to be part because in Asia they did that anyway when I went to film in Tokyo you see people on the train and they'd have their their mask on and stuff like that whether they didn't want to get sick or they were sick themselves it's just something that I think is going to be with us and I'm okay with that because you know whatever you need to do it's it's just it's going to be a whole new different world and uh, and we're just gonna all you know just try to survive and and get along and be healthy together. So anyhow, well, hey, listen, if you have any comments or questions, you can reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio at nowcastnetwork.com. And uh, I just, once again, I want to reiterate, man, just call your friends and just, you know, check up on everybody because it's, uh, it's some crazy times right now. But uh, I think if we can all watch out for each other, I think we'll, we'll get through this. And uh, let's hope 2021 really opens things up. All right, for myself and all the guys, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time.
4: See you.
0: We've, we've missed you, Joanne.
4: Thanks for listening
0: to the Audio Nowcast sponsored by API and WireWorld Pro Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and features a panel with Rob Arbiter, Bobby Osinski, Scott Gershon, Nick Peck, Diego Stucco, Brandon Birdside, Martin Page, Bobby Summerfield, and maybe a guest or two. We'll see you next time.